0: Welcome back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. Thank you once again for joining us today. I'm so excited to have my really good friend, Rich Saunders, joining us today. So thanks for being here. Thank you, Todd. It is my pleasure. Thank you so much. And I want to thank all of you listeners for always tuning in every single week and your support's been fantastic. We've reached so many people well above and beyond my wildest dreams. So thank you so much for believing in me, um, I want to thank our sponsor, Veracity Networks. Thank you as well for sponsoring this. And then I'd like to also give a shout out to Paul Cardall. The music you're just listening to is is from Paul. And he agreed to, you know, he gave me approval to actually use his music. And it's beautiful. It brings such a good feeling. And... Uh, I'm just excited that uh, I have all this support around this. So a little background on Rich Saunders. Um, He's the Interim Executive Director of the Utah Department of Health. And as you can imagine, he is very busy right now uh, based on what's going on with COVID. Uh, He was also uh, appointed Chief Deputy for the Utah Department of Health once it became clear that COVID-19 was a a pandemic. And uh, he spends uh, 16-hour days right now Uh, working on that, and we're gonna know a little bit more about that. Uh, Rich uh, graduated from the University of California, Davis with a degree in organizational behavior, and then he spent 25 years as a private sector entrepreneur doing everything from co-founding, co-founding a multi-million dollar construction company to peddling a product on QVC Shopping Network. His theory that organizational health is the key to success of any work environment. And there's so much more about him and I'm just gonna, we're gonna hear it from Rich. So again, thanks for being here today. Thanks, Todd. Yeah, so why don't you uh, give us a little background, you know, where you grew up and a little bit about your family.
1: So we grew up in what is known today as Cottonwood Heights. Um, we called it Sandy back then. Yeah. And uh, down near the Creek Road area. And we, were, uh, we lived on an acre and a half farm from the third grade on. And uh, in fact, I remember. I think the fifth-grade class walked from Oakdale Elementary. The whole class walked all the way down Creek Road, and down into the my the little farm acreage down there, the acre and a half. Right. And uh, we toured our farm. We had milk cows and <laughs> oh, really? and pigs and chickens and turkeys and great big garden and uh, a dad and a mom that were very self-sufficient. Yeah. In fact most things we did were working around the yard. And uh, my dad was a work monger and all of the boys would work. I had four brothers and four sisters. There were nine kids total.
0: Yeah, big family. That
1: was a, (laughs) yeah, that was quite a deal. And dad would make us work so much that I remember one time digging a, a trench hole down at the bottom of the driveway, at the bottom of the pasture. And Complaining again because we're working again and everybody else is playing. (laughs) Right. And my dad said to me, "You know, I I think I'd probably quit complaining about working if I was you because you'll never run out of work. And if we ever did run out of work, I would haul in a dump truck full of rocks and you just haul them off. So quit complaining about work. (laughs) (laughs) It's just work was just the way it is. Yeah. So we worked and worked and worked a lot. Yeah. the The farm animals we we milked early in the morning. Sometimes I'd go to elementary school smelling like a you know cow manure, <laughs> right? <laughs> but yeah, um, it, we we were raised in a home where I think the the girls for the most part did inside work, and the boys primarily did the outside work. That was kind of the culture. Okay. back then right. I learned through that that that's not the way to do it. Right. Uh, we we uh, my wife and I. Uh, today we do everything outside and and, and everything inside together. Together, right? It's a lot better. Yeah, a lot better that way for sure. But anyway, we we were uh, you know, we played a lot. We used to have you uh, know a lot of uh, oak trees, and we'd have acorn fights, and and uh, <laughs> yeah. every year we'd set up big spook alley, uh, um, you know, big spook alleys. We we'd put it on to the public, and um, I, the the cows were were a constant chore the the eggs were always needed to be gathered the chicken coops always needed to be cleaned the yeah. turkeys we would go out on thanksgiving morning and we would actually kill a turkey for the for the feast <laughs> and uh, that's kind of the life we lived
0: yeah um you know that's how you know the first time i met you is you know i remember going to your house and i we met through you know school and basketball you and i played basketball together yep and that's you know i remember going to your house for the very first time and it was this is all new to me. I didn't live on a little farm or anything like that. I didn't, I mean, I lived in a teeny little house and had, you know, I had to mow the lawn every now and then. But other than that, when I, I remember like all the stuff you were showing me around your yard and the, the chickens and the cows and the, the big, gigantic garden, I was just like, I was blown away because hmm. I'm like, man, this is incredible. Yeah. You know, and I remember to seeing that. And I remember too that you had like two or three things you had to do. Before we could do anything else, and I'm just sitting there going, "Oh, okay." And I remember just sitting and waiting for you to finish, and I probably <laughs> should have helped you, but yeah, I you probably should have. But uh, anyway, I was just—it was kind of a new experience for me. But that's—that was the first time I remember just my experience with you and your family and, and where you lived.
1: Yeah, that's quite an upbringing, uh, and I re- I remember when we started um, associating with with each other. In fact you'll probably remember and, and whoever hears this needs to cover their ears but um <laughs> we we used to go over to our local church and uh yeah. we found a weakness in one of the doors that yeah. that we could if we kind of popped it you know we could get in and play basketball we we meant no harm we did no damage to the to the right. facility we we just we just wanted to play ball yeah and uh i remember the the uh, janitor at the time how many times he'd come in? He was from Germany, and, yeah. and he was a, bit, a little bit aggressive. And he would come in there and find us playing ball, and he would chew us out and chase us out. <laughs> right. and, I remember and then that. we'd go. And yeah. do you remember that? Oh yeah. And then and then we'd go, and then and then we'd wait for a little while, and then we'd circle back around so and go back and go, around, go back and in pop it again. And, yeah. yeah, because we just were dying to be in the gym yeah. all the time. Yeah, we
0: loved that, and I remember again, you know, looking back on it now, I maybe didn't appreciate it at the time, but. How hard you worked, and you talked about how, you know, that's what you did. Your dad pushed. Hey, we work. We're gonna work because there's always gonna be work. Talk about that one principle and how that's really, I mean, shaped your life.
1: Well, I think at the at the core of of work, there's an ethic, and the ethic is is all about being willing to pay the price to uh, achieve an outcome and we, we were taught that you don't wait around for somebody to just give you something or land it in your lap. That right. It's the, the law of the harvest. You pretty much sow what you reap, yeah. uh, or reap what you sow. And the, the sowing is hard, Yeah. and, and, and the reaping is, is beautiful. Um, but sometimes, it, it, I think we learned through that, that same work ethic that if you choose not to work and not to sow, then you don't get to reap and that's just the natural law of the harvest. Yeah. So so we were we were pretty well drilled on the law of the harvest. And it I think the foundation of that was critical. Yeah. Because all of all of our lives all of my brothers and sisters were were we are workers. We we know how to work. And you know, a lot of the working that we did was with our hands yeah um, and I learned through you know the years of of growing up that it's really important to be able to, to learn how to work with your mind, yeah uh, and with other talents as well, sure, but not to lose track of of being able to work with your hands. You maybe have a balance there right yeah I yeah. think the balance is critical. I think in in a lot of society, um it's maybe one or the other and um but I think it's really critical to be able to have a, a good intellectual skill set. A, a mindset of learning and putting forth the work effort, sowing the, the efforts in, in intellectual development, uh, mental, emotional development, yeah. as well as keeping uh, some sort of a, um, an ability to work with your hands. yeah, I think it's just a really important I just we just barely put in a, a yard, um, just barely we just landed uh, in April and we, I wanted to do it all. Uh, right. Every piece of it, this, <laughs> from from the the scaping of the yard to the to the uh, installation of the rocks and the water feature, and yeah, all of that, the paver patios, the sprinkler system, the topsoil, all of that, driving the tractors, and we did all of that together, my wife and I, and and uh, that's awesome. It's part of that ongoing uh, desire or passion to be able to keep physically active and yeah. and hardworking physically. Right. even though my occupation is is all uh, mental and right. and intellectual work intellectual stuff yeah.
0: well also when you do that you you you're the one that does all the work it's great to be able to look back it's you have a lot more satisfaction you probably appreciate it more as well yeah right when you sit back and look we did this yeah right? there's
1: it's a huge reward and i think you can get that same re- reward in either uh, either area either actual yeah. or or the physical labor but sure. I love the physical labor. It's so therapeutic. Yeah. If I had my dream, I'd have a little orchard. Yeah. I'd be able to prune the trees and <laughs> uh, the one thing about physical work is that it doesn't talk back to you. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it just obeys you. Yeah. So you get to be able to kind of be the the sculptor and, yeah. and decide what it looks like and yeah. that's fun for me.
0: You know, I had a great opportunity to work with you and your brother John on a landscaping crew. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I mean I, I I had a work ethic growing up, but nothing on the level that you had. And, and not to, to say that I I think it's just different upbringings at times. But I'll tell you, I learned more on that landscaping crew. And I'll tell you, I hated it at first. Yeah. I mean, I hate it. But looking back, I love it. Because had I not learned some of those skills, not only learning the skills, but what I took away from that is work hard. And you you had that same
1: influence on me. That's amazing. You yeah. really did, and you were an amazing part of that team. If you will recall, we had a lot of yards that we maintained, and we hopped. We timed wow. every we yard. We timed everyone. We made sure that we were hitting uh, at the 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 maximum thre- uh, threshold that we were allowed on the job. Yeah, and that uh, we were constantly trying to beat time. Yeah. And like last week right. we did
0: this it took us 15 minutes. Let's beat it. Yeah. And we we'd run out. But not only that, we we did good work. It wasn't like yeah. let's hurry into a sloppy so we can beat the time. Yeah. No, we still had a system that we yeah. had to follow. Our processes, <laughs> we
1: we nailed the process Yeah, and then we learned how to perfect the process with exactly. time. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, that was an amazing time. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of experiences on those uh on those grass yards and yeah. and in those uh um in those uh, flower beds. Lots of lots of experience together.
0: Yeah. Well, so you know, work ethic was obviously a big thing that you and your family, you know, embraced as you grew up. What What are some other principles that you learned growing up? You know, maybe from your dad and your mom that they also taught you. On top of you know, you know, it's important that we
1: work hard. I think one of the uh, key principles that we learned is that is that there is a um, that there is a God. And that this that we live in is His plan, yeah. And that that we can trust Him. I mean, I, I don't know if it's even appropriate to get on the sure. spiritual side of things of yes, this, but absolutely. But we were taught very, very clearly, and through repeated experiences over many years, that that God does live, and that He is actually our Father, mm-hmm. and that we're here for a purpose, and that we have divine potential. And that everything that we do in this life should be based on truth and principle. And uh, try to, to, to work hard to subordinate um, emotions mm-hmm. to principle so that we govern our lives with principle. Right. And uh, it's important to have emotion. And, and they're, sure. I mean, those are God-given. Um, but to keep them in check yeah. and to make sure that, that the decisions that we make are based on correct principle yeah. uh, rather than emotion. And, and a simple illustration of that is is can be seen in just driving down the street and somebody does something that makes you mad. Right, yeah. Uh, the correct <laughs> principle is, is to be kind and to treat others the way that they deserve to be treated uh, and to have mercy to, toward people. Yeah. Uh, the emotion says, uh, roll down the window and call him something he's never Let been before. Let him have it, right, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the emotion. And so to, learning to subordinate emotion to correct principle was a huge um, a, a concept that was uh, developed over the years. So, and that comes, I think, primarily by really having a core belief system in who you are as a person, and that there is something much greater than you that has all power and all knowledge, and that we can trust in that, and then work through life in that trust. Yeah, wow. Another key principle that I think is important is, um, that different people and different lifestyles, different opinions, different perspectives are good, yeah, and that you know that, and that was a challenge, I think the the learning th- that took place on that principle for me was uh, it didn't come by always seeing it demonstrated, mm-hmm. but sometimes in the circles that I would hang around or in the family. Maybe at times it was not demonstrated, which made me step back and kind of think through the, the maybe the wrongness of it and, right. and have a desire to um, to change that. and so being able to listen to people and be able to understand their perspectives and actually try to see the world through the lens of other people, yeah and to be okay with differences yeah I think that's another. Thing that I I've I've watched be cultivated in my upbringing.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I think one of the things that I you know I can speak for myself, but I know other people. That, well, I think one of the reasons why people admire you, in a lot of ways, and I know you don't like to hear this, but <laughs> getting some praise here. But you you really lived your life based off of principles, and even even back when we were kids doing bonehead things, when we weren't doing all the right things. But even back then, when I think back, even in high school, and junior high, when I knew you, you were still doing things that I had no concept of. And so it's interesting that how, you know, you probably have just built on that foundation that your mom and dad kind of set in place as you were growing up.
1: I think that's right. Um, It's a, it's, it's, as I try to discern what goes on in people, I think, each of us have a moral compass mm-hmm. that and, and I don't know where the boundaries of each person's moral compasses are, but I'm learning where mine are and mm-hmm. I, and I think the, the the concept for me is to understand where my moral compass boundaries are and to be true to those boundaries. And when I do things that that, that threaten the boundary or Push the boundary beyond what my I think my moral compass is. It that's a compromise of integrity, yeah. To me, and 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 I think when I start to feel the compromise, I have to have the courage to take a step back from that boundary, and live within the moral compass boundaries that I think drive me. Right. And I think those are important. And so learning experience upon experience as a young person and and growing to to uh, you know. I would say I'm a, a more mature person. Is that better than saying older? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lisa says I'm not supposed to be calling myself older, yeah. um, <laughs> but I think as is, is and it takes trial and error, and and yeah. we make mistakes, and we have to learn by mistakes where those boundaries really are, or or, mm. or or maybe we need to make adjustments on those boundaries, right? And then learn to discipline ourselves to live within them because it just it's a happier way to live.
0: Yeah. So um, you're married. You have kids, and have you seen yourself now doing things with your own kids, and and I know they're older now too, but did did you see yourself teaching them the same principles that you
1: learned growing up? Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, with my daughters, we were out weeding and working in the garden. <laughs> I've got pictures of us all out there working, working, and and yeah. learning how to to be um, uh, contributors. You know, there's yeah. the you're a consumer or you're a creator or mm-hmm. or, or you know I it's they've learned uh, guaranteed mm. that principle takes priority over emotion and mm. we're not always perfect at it but we right. need to keep striving for it right and uh another thing that they've learned is is the uh ability to look beyond our own beliefs and and understanding and let let people also have beliefs and understanding i think they do a yeah. very good job probably better job than i than i have done on that one yeah they, they believe in in uh, the the law of of the harvest um, they're good at that they're good at working they're good at uh, paying the price to receive certain outcomes. Um, I don't think that they have a mindset of to of just holding their hands out to to be given things in life right yeah I, I think family tradition has been thick in with our family yeah, and sure. I know that's been with yours as well yeah uh, so I think I think that there, you 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 pass on. I, I look at my kids and 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 how they respect and recognize that there is a God, and that that they are His children, and that that He is greater than all of us, and that that their lives are in a pathway that's con- consistent with His ways. Mm-hmm. Not perfect, but they try. Right. Yeah, I see that moral compass, those boundaries in all of them, and and it's really a a very. Uh, kind of a um, a nice uh, reconciled uh, feeling of contentment as I look yeah. as a dad yeah. at the kids, right? Uh, you know, they're all all my four daughters are married, and and the one son is is uh, graduated from high school. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, I want to maybe just
0: you know take a little different uh, look here. I want to I want to go back to like your basketball career. Uh, you're one of the best basketball players I've ever seen and been around and played with. Um, I remember part of that work ethic is you would even, you know, you even dragged me a few times. And you would you would get up early and go go sh- shoot baskets over at that same church, pop the door, and you know <laughs> early in the morning before we would go to school. But I mean, yeah. I I mean, I joined you sometimes there. Obviously, I wasn't there all the time. Talk about that, and then just talk us a little bit about you know basketball and just how that played a part in your development
1: yeah <laughs> uh, to me you know and and I know we've talked enough to know that we both agree with this that that when especially when you're in those ages if you engage in something worthwhile yeah it's so critical to be able to have a focus and a purpose yeah and and sports athletics as as you know it really um, teaches you a lot of discipline, a lot of commitment, a lot of yeah. hard work. Um, you're going to get what you pay for uh, most of the time. Unfortunately, sports uh, maybe makes you rely a little bit too much on your stats. Um, right. uh, I learned um, after I finished playing college basketball that I was wandering, felt like aimlessly because I didn't have any stats to define me. Mm. No newspaper articles, no stats. Wow, and and I I was kind of aimless, and somebody brought this to my attention, um, just a few years out of college, and it made me realize that I had I had, kind of, without really recognizing it, put my value or my self worth based on what my stats were. Yeah, and you know I thought I was pretty smart, and I I would never let that happen, but it did <laughs> right. it did happen. Yeah. But anyway, back back to the the sports. Yeah, my dad. Um, I I remember the uh, in my j- sophomore, junior, and maybe even part of my senior year in high school, my dad paid Jeff Judkins to meet me over at the at the church at five in the morning, yeah. and he would just do you know one on one training uh, for a while, and then after he, we we finished with that, and then Devin Durant he paid Devin Durant to yeah. come over, mm-hmm. and we would just do drills and fundamentals, and I remember the one of the 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 great claims to fame that I have. In my the first of my senior year, is it was it was just before the the season. We were in the summer season between uh, junior and senior year. Devin Durant and I would we, we would get together. We would do fundamentals and we would do one on one, and then every Thursday we'd go to the University of Utah and we we'd actually you know because Devin Durant all American BYU right and uh, and we would play pickup with the varsity team at the University of Utah, and I remember after one game you know winter stays on right. And we got beat, so we were walking off, and the uh, and, and the team that was going on, they were short one player, and, and they said, "Hey, we need one more guy." And I turned around, and and Devin said, "Oh, I got it." And they turned to Devin and said, "No, we don't want you. We want Saunders." <laughs> and I was like so thrilled, but but it was only yeah. later that I realized it was just because I didn't shoot so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Devin did. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> no, that's a neat experience. Yeah, that was good. So the the early mornings uh, continued on with my kids. I had one daughter that played college basketball. Yep. Yeah, we were like clockwork. Five a.m. Um, over at the church. Fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals. I would never have to drag her. Yeah. Uh, and then Richie, my son, yeah. uh, who's a, a signed. Uh, you BYU. just signed with BYU.
0: Congratulations yeah. on you. that. That's awesome.
1: We're, we're thrilled with that. Yeah. He's thrilled with it. Yeah, I bet. But since he was, I don't know, six years old. I don't know. I probably five days a week. We were over at wow. five a.m. Yeah, and the kid. I mean, I was exhausted. I was serving as a state president or a bishop at the time. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I was. I, I would get late nights. I'm utterly <laughs> exhausted. Really hard to drag my carcass out of bed in the morning. And and here's Richie sitting out in the foyer of the house, tapping things, telling Dad. When we say five o'clock, I mean five o'clock. We need to go. Wow. Now we've just missed five minutes. If I was three minutes late, he would get on me for wow. for being late to, to show up to play ball. So I think, uh, I, as I've watched some of you know the kids develop in, in that way, that same pattern of early morning commitment. Yeah. Uh, I unfortunately, I didn't have cows to get, <laughs> to get the kids out of bed early. I, we kept We saying, gotta we, milk the cow. We gotta have something like yeah. a cow yeah. to get the kids to <laughs> To focus on, so that's yeah. why we do gardening and stuff like that. But right, a, a couple of kids would do the early morning workouts, but the others didn't. They did other. Yeah, uh, disciplines.
0: there's something about waking up early. Before it's almost like I don't know how to explain it, but because you know, I do, I that's part of my daily ritual. Yeah. I get up early. You do before anyone's, you know, phone's not ringing. No one's trying to get a hold of me, and I can connect. I you know spiritually, yeah. I can connect with myself. You know, and I learn things and that kind of thing. There's something about getting up early, and again, the discipline it would you know taught your kids who were doing that. It's it's probably was fun to watch that. Yeah, it's been really neat, especially when they're trying to get you out of bed, right? Uh,
1: You know, that's inspiring, (laughs) right? Normally, you're trying to drag your kids out of bed, and but I mean, my kids have other issues and and things like that. But yeah, but the um, I when I sometimes when I get up nowadays early, I think about you. Really? I actually think I know Todd's up at this time wow this is his time of solace and a yeah. time of isolation where he can really kind of connect yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and and I think you know growing up with the cows and the morning chores we were up at five am I think just all of that work ethic just made it so that early morning is just part of life yeah you just get up you can get a lot done yeah before the sun comes up before people start you know waking up
0: yeah wow that's awesome so you know I know you, you know we We mentioned that you are the you know interim executive director of Utah Department of Health. Let's talk a little bit about that obviously, you are busy because of what's going on not just here in Utah but in the, in the entire world with this covid nineteen I've seen you several times on you know on TV announcing like you know here's here's the guidelines we need to kind of, we need to follow because of what's going on here in Utah. Talk about this experience
1: well it's an interesting experience that I don't think anyone's ever had. Yeah, ever. that's and a good not point. Not in our, ge- our generations. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know, World War II? Um, right. I, I don't know, I mean, this this is a, a an experience that is um, uh, new turf for most people, and I, I think at the core of this, um, it has become very political, um, I wish that it wasn't a political year, uh, an election year, right? Uh, because it has become uh, dangerously political. Yeah. In in my experience, and uh, creating a political environment out of something that's so uh, serious as as public health is wrong. Yeah. But nonetheless, it's it's this is that's where we are. That's where it. we're at. Yeah. And and I think outside of the political, in fact, probably related to the political is the issue of uh, you know there are people that think it's a hoax that it's not even a real pandemic that the, right. that the virus is just a cold right um there there are a lot of people that, that think that it's that it's worse than than the plague and or the the, the 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 flu of the early 1900s right and that if they walk outside and take one breath of air they're going to die i mean th- there's so two extremes two extremes yeah and then so many layers in between those two yeah. extremes that it's every direction that you go is wrong to somebody or to some large groups of people right yeah. and so with that being the 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 case we have a very difficult complicated response to it and we have on one hand people that are picketing and protesting get the government out right on the other hand we have a very large group of people saying the government is not doing enough, shame on them. Right. And off with them. And I mean, yeah. and it literally, and, and people are getting angry on both sides. Not getting, they are angry. Right. And I, I look at humanity in this environment and I say, this is a really interesting test to see who we have become as a people selfish in many ways. Yeah, when you say it like that, it it kind of puts a pit in my stomach. It's kind of eye-opening to me and it hurts my heart a lot. Mm-hmm. Um I was talking to somebody yesterday that had has a very different opinion of how we should deal with this. Yeah. And <clears throat> we just disagree. Yeah. But I think it's okay to disagree. Right. But somewhere we have to make decisions yeah. and move forward instead of falling on our back and just laying around hoping it all goes away. Yeah. I can tell you that on one hand, I think, gee, this is just like a cold. And on the other hand, I have enough first-hand witnessing experiences to know that this is a very dangerous virus. Yeah. It's the the problem is is that it's on both ends of the spectrum. Yeah, and it depends on what individuals have come across, yeah. to, to form their belief. Form of, their belief of yeah. what it is.
0: Yeah, when a family has maybe someone who dies from it versus a the whole family got it but no one even had a symptom, and it's like it's your, your it's your experience that kind of dictates the way you're going to act and
1: behave from that point forward about it. It is. It is so true, and and because only 5% of the people that, that contract the virus end up in the hospital. That means 95% don't. But the 5% that do, it's a pretty rough go for, for a lot of those right. people. Right, yeah. Um, uh, you know, I believe it's 20 or 30% of the people that en- end up in the hospital end up in ICU. Wow. And And the other thing is about 30%, 25 or 30% of the people that actually contract the virus because it's so new, we just don't have a lot of time that has gone by to understand yeah. where it's going. Yeah. But we, but but twenty-five or thirty percent of the people that have it are, hamvery, are having are having or are experiencing lingering um, health effects with with the heart or with the lungs. Yeah. Or with the sense of smell or taste. Taste. Yeah. Um, I know people personally firsthand with personal relationships that have been, you know, they they they're runners and they have contracted COVID-19 and they can hardly go up a flight of stairs without wow. being you know winded. Yeah, right. Um, and this is 3 months later. So there uh, there are some issues that are that are really concerning and yeah. and then we have a whole bunch of of uh, social media that's saying that, th- that this is a conspiracy. And the, 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 the government is in this to overcome and the, the world and to, to deface families and individuals. And, and, and I sit in the center of this. I sit as far from the governor as you and I are sitting right now, right And we counsel together with a team, a, a very intelligent team of medical and, and other professions to right. to really, and, and I can tell you, there is no conspiracy. These are leg- this is a legitimate issue. It is really taxing society, mm-hmm. and it is really taxing the hospital systems right now. And I look at the case count today, for example, and everybody says, oh, we're so tired of the case count. Well, I am too. Um, right. But, but what, what we do is we look at the case counts to help us determine or predict what the hospitalization predict. is gonna be right. within about another month. And so case counts, it's just a 5% of that is gonna end up in the hospital. What capacity do we have? we got 70 to 100 people going to the hospital every day. We have a finite number of beds and a, a shrinking um, uh, um, healthcare workforce right. because of exhaustion. Or if even one of them get
0: it, they've and got to go quarantine for two weeks. They're right. Now and they're not doing their job exactly because right. they can't.
1: So yeah. so we're getting a decrease in, in our ability to staff the beds. Yeah. And, and we're looking at this and thinking, okay, we, we have some of the smartest people in the world here in the state of Utah really great business professionals, medical professionals, economists, yeah. Entire teams of some of the most intelligent people and we're actually working really well together to try to figure out what to do. And then you get these these people that are on the peripheral that 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 use these social media posts that have no accountability and no founded um what what, what I would call there, so, a lot of it is just partial truth and and, yeah. and, and partial lies, yeah. or or maybe even not intentional lies, but maybe um, uh, maybe misunderstanding. Right. And so people grab a hold of social media instead of looking at the science, and and then they start forming these emotions, and yeah. again letting the emotions prevail over principle. Yeah. And and wow. we have pockets of unrest in society, and that complicates it even further. And you know, so we 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 ask people if if we can generally just wear masks when we're around other people from other households, you know, less than six feet, and you know, reduce our our social gathering sizes, yeah, uh, while we're in you know higher you know transmission levels, then we can probably do a lot to contain this. Yeah. But when we get people that that uh, you know are opposing that and think this is a, a hoax and a joke, yeah. And, and, you know, especially, you know, the 15 to 24-year-olds that these great people, this great population yeah. that, that, that are doing what they should be doing, which is getting together and f- partying and having yeah. fun and, yeah. and, and you know, doing great things. It, it's just bad timing right for those things because the virus is becoming so prevalent now that it's just moving through them. And some say, well, so what? They can get a cold and get over it. If we had the ability to just not... Uh, put such a taxation on the on the health system, the, the hospital system, yeah. and if we had the ability to protect the the, the vulnerable people the that vulnerable, are just simply yeah. going to really take this hard, yeah. then that would be just fine. Yeah. But because of those other factors, and we we you just can't control yeah. it like that. Uh, yeah. so, so we just the thing that I wish is that we could just use this experience to band together and have the common enemy be. The pandemic or the virus. Not other people. Not each other. Yeah. It's just a strange environment. It is. And it's venomous.
0: Yeah. Weird to me. Yeah. And like you said, you know, it hurts your heart. It hurts it does. It's it's I think I you know, when I see all this, it's I you you mentioned it, it's okay to disagree, but why why can't we disagree with compassion? Like, hey, I don't agree with you, you don't agree with me, but but hey, I respect you, and I'm gonna have compassion towards you. Yeah. At the same time, I don't need to vilify you and right. and say something really you know threatening or whatever to I you agree. to try to get my point across or whatever. Yeah, it's like
1: okay, we just don't agree. Yeah, kind of thing. And and I, too and bad I we can't do that. You I know? agree, I, and I think a lot of people do. Right. But I think too many don't. Yeah. And and I think you know, for example, somebody comes up to me and and with their fist in the air, I will never wear a mask. Well, okay, okay, good, fine. Can you do anything else to help? Cuz we've got problems here. Yeah. Can you do anything? How about can you help reduce your social gathering size or promote physical distancing or increase sanitization and hygiene or put out a good word of encouragement to people that we can do this? Yeah. You know, anything to to create unity instead of disunity. Yeah. Anything to be for the good of the of the whole and the cause instead of uh, making a political statement like like somebody's trying to take their civil rights away by having them wear a mask, and the reason that we want to wear masks is so that we can have businesses stay open and everything f- uh, flourish.
0: Flourish, yeah. It's just a tricky dance. It is a tricky dance. Well, you mentioned too you're you're working like 16-hour days right now because of this, and I mean obviously you're exhausted, and I'm grateful that you took time out of your busy schedule to come sit down with me, um, you know. Obviously, we're friends. You know, we go back a long way. But I do appreciate that, like you know, you you took some time out of this busy schedule of yours because people need you, and they need to, you need, they need your organizational skills and th- everything else that you're doing
1: to help along this cause. And you know, I appreciate that, Todd. We I, I am very busy, um, and 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 we have a team that is very busy. And public health uh, servants that I work with, they are phenomenal people. Yeah. They are working to the, the ends of the earth to, to try to figure out how to create correct data so that we can make correct decisions and do the right things. And, and they're very, very good people. Yeah. But the reason that I took the time is because I believe in you and I believe in the people that you reach and the good that you're doing. And I think that we've got to continue to keep doing great things that, yeah. like that you're doing. And so this is a privilege for me to be able to come here and take some time Mm-hmm. Uh, away from the other environment for just a few minutes, and and support the good that you're doing. Oh, thank you. Very well respected. No, I appreciate that.
0: Well, <clears throat> you know, I've learned. Uh, you know, I I consider you my mentor, and I've told you that before. And whenever I'm speaking to a client, I'm like, well, my mentor taught me, and that's you all the time. And there's a lot of principles you taught me, but one of the greatest ones that I use a ton, and and you'll remember this, and it has to do with building relationships. Or, or strengthen strengthening one that maybe isn't going so well, because I work with a lot of clients who, they come to rehab, and they've blown up relationships. You know, they get, they're strained, they're you know they're unhealthy, and they're like they get frustrated because they want to go repair these things if they can, right? So I teach them the principle that you taught me: fast is slow, slow is fast. Yeah, you remember that? I do. I'll tell you it. People say, "What where's this been?" I'm like, my mentor taught me this like. Thirty years ago, like honestly, <laughs> yeah. and I've never forgotten it. But I'll tell you, I have, I have expanded on that principle, Rich, to, to, to share with my clients, and I can, I can't tell you without fail. The response back, maybe a month or two later, they'll come back and say, "You weren't kidding." That principle has saved my marriage. That principle uh, opened up the door for my daughter and I
1: to have a relationship
0: again. It's the coolest thing.
1: It's, it's Todd. It's. Um I think it's a, a principle that I just hope people will have toward me. Yes, and 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 that is, and and my dad taught this. And by the way, those the principle of slow is fast and fast is slow comes from authors that are far greater than me. But, but my dad would teach. Rich, be careful not to be too quick at expecting people to be today, the person that they will eventually become. Wow, and really be patient with people, because we're all really trying to do the best we can to move forward with what we have. And I think, as I look at, at, at other people, and I've watched other people be patient with me, I, I know so many times that I say the wrong thing, or I push the wrong button, right. and I'm just almost cringing inside thinking, please have mercy on me, be patient with me. Because well, I, I didn't mean to hurt or do anything uh, that would be detrimental. I, and I just plead for their forgiveness toward me, and it's the same philosophy of me being able to be patient with other people. Because in the end, as you work with people, and you're very patient with people while they try to figure out how to overcome life, then in the end, it's the fastest way to strengthening people yeah. and relationships. It, it just It's worth right. every effort. Yeah, And there are some cases when you just have to cut bait. For sure, and, if it's and toxic on.
0: and whatever or harmful yeah. or abusive or whatever, th-
1: yeah, yeah. But but I mean, it's a it's a principle that we all know that we want other people to demonstrate toward us, right? And so, being able to demonstrate toward other people this slowness at at, at our judgment against them, right? And being able to be patient w- with people and, and consistently working through life with people. In the end, it's the fastest way to a very healthy relationship. Yeah, yeah, well,
0: <clears throat> like I said, it's been not only in my own life with my own family, and I put it to the test. <clears throat> you you won't remember this, but I'm <laughs> gonna re- remind you. So I remember, <clears throat> and you know, I won't go into all the details because it's pretty sacred stuff that you and I have been through and how you've changed my life. And, and, I, and to be honest, on some level saved my life. And uh, if people knew our background, they would get it. But we won't go into that right now. But I'll never forget what I said to you one day. Sorry, I'm getting choked up. That uh, I want to help people. And I want to do this, this, and this. And I was just kind of, I remember I was so excited to tell you. And it was when we were landscaping even. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget it. It was in, in a yard over by my house actually right now. Uh, I won't say the name of the per- people there, we'll we'll talk after, but I remember telling you this and I'll never forget what you said. You, you turned and you said, if that's what you're gonna do, you, the hardest thing for you will be to practice what you preach. Mm-hmm. And you said, you can preach all day long, but if you're not doing what you say or you're having other people do, then they'll read right through it. And as you said that, I, I logically I go, oh yeah, that makes sense. But I didn't appreciate that until about <clears throat> maybe a year later I realized I had done it like a little speaking event and I remember telling the, the crowd, okay, you need to be doing this, this, and this. I can't remember exactly what I was saying. Sure. But I'll never forget walking out there going, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and I was like, Rich was right. Yeah. It's easy for me to say that, but I'm not doing it. So I just want to say this right now thank you for that because it has probably been the greatest asset for me what i'm doing today because i can look my client or a family member in the eye saying i will not tell you this without you knowing that i'm doing this and i'm not perfect at anything yeah there we go i think i'm not perfect at all but but i'm i'm doing those things that i'm i want you to do or my
1: client to do but i'll tell you that has never left my mind that is that's exceptional i I can if I can relate with that is yeah. um, I remember you know in in ecclesiastical responsibilities where I would just have a disagreement with one of my kids or and just as I'm having to go out and <laughs> preach a sermon right. and or something and, uh-huh. and i I can just remember walking out of the house thinking, I might as well not even go preach the sermon because I don't even know how to live it myself yeah or or whatever and yeah. and then it, and it hit me um, here's a principle that I think i've that's evolved on on that principle. Which is um, and you you kind of just said it, is make sure that we understand what the standard is, yeah, and then realize that just because we can't live perfectly the standard doesn't mean we can't teach it, preach it, talk about it, promote it, as long as we're engaging in the principles and striving for the standard, we have every qualification to yeah. teach and preach the right. standard, yeah but but I think yeah if 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 we are sayers of, of the principles only and we don't do, yeah. it's a very shallow um, right. depth to it.
0: Yeah, and I think people, especially if you're trying to help them, can kind of see through that. Yeah, They can kind of feel something's off, Yeah, right? So, but again, I, I honestly, that's been one of the, I guess one of my foundational principles that you taught me that I try to make sure, hey, I'm doing the best I can in that principle that I'm teaching or preaching about.
1: And, and you know really what, helping. I've learned that about you, Todd, is that when you say, When you give, when you prescribe, you're a doer of your prescription. Oh, thank you. And I can always count on that. There's, I have no question that you are a doer of the things you preach. Yeah, thank you.
0: I appreciate that. You know, I want to ask you a couple more questions. One is, what? How do you keep yourself centered and grounded? What does a day look like for you? Like now or previously? Well, you can you can actually touch on both if you'd like because I'm sure it's evolved obviously in life. But how do you, how do you keep yourself from? I mean, especially with what you're dealing with now, you got a, you're a high in a high pressured position. But just I'd love my our listeners to know how you keep yourself grounded. How do you keep yourself present? How do you keep yourself connected
1: spiritually and with your family and things like that? It's probably the hardest time of my life. Um, to keep those connections, I was just telling two of my daughters yesterday that I, I'm I'm screaming for help. I'm reaching to you mm. for help. I need you to reach to me. I need you to figure out how to be creative to connect with me because I'm on a on a luge right now that is unprecedented and and yeah. unpredictable. Wow. And I am in very tense situations most of the day um, in with multiple. Uh, groups of people, uh, yeah. very high, high-level individuals, and trying to sort through the right thing to do for the state of Utah. Yeah. And I need you to stay, c- to connect with me. Please reach to me. And and so uh, so that's one thing. Um, another thing is is that uh, every morning I roll out of bed, and sometimes it is truly rolling out rolling of bed, out of, like, like, like falling in, over the side. Yeah, like yeah. there's no way I can go again. And, um, and I always find a place to kneel and even if it's three minutes, pause and recognize God hmm. and invite Him verbally to please be a part of my life today, to guide me, to inspire my mind, to give me wow. understandings beyond my own, to help me to be discerning to know what real is and what unreal is. Yeah. And to not be fooled or tricked. And so I, I have that moment every day. Yeah. And then and this is just after five in the morning. And then I'm 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 on the road just after I I, I try to get thirteen or fourteen minutes worth of some sort of a physical right. something in. Yeah, every day it doesn't you've happen. All, every you've day. always been
0: big on you know taking care of your body. I, know I that. would be
1: an hour a day, six days a week. I know you would. And but now I'm, uh, if I get four days a week at fifteen minutes, I'm lucky. Yeah. But then I'm uh, cleaned up and and uh, and I jump in the truck and I'm driving an hour north every morning, and uh, in that quiet time is when I turn on um, some connection, whether it be some inspiring messages or some music. Yeah. that is inspiring, and I give myself about 25 minutes of the drive to that oh, devotion great. where I can kind yeah. of connect. That's when everybody's asleep, you know, I mean, yeah. not everybody, but. I know what you mean, in, though.
0: You're you're up in front of, you know, before everybody. And then
1: I start meetings just before seven um, uh, on the phone with my first meeting, and, and I go till often, you know, 8.30, uh, nine at night. I get home, you know, between. Probably between six and, and nine o'clock every night mm-hmm. and you know phone and uh, you know dealing with issues for most of the rest of the waking time and drop down to bed again I uh, I connect with m- my wife we we every night before we go to bed we kneel beside the bed mm-hmm. and we pray vocally wow. together it's awesome um, and then a, a lot of times we we try to figure out ways to hold hands and stay connected and every once in a while during the day I pop her a little text that yeah that uh, says you know I love you or, or three hearts or yeah. whatever the message is and <laughs> yeah. she's always very good at, at you know once or twice a day sending a little signal to me that she's there and yeah and uh, and it's hard too because it can't be that life is all about me right because it just isn't. It, it, from my vantage point, I'm just all consumed right now. But that doesn't mean that, that that same perspective is born by my wife and right. my kids. Yeah. And so somehow I've got to figure out how to not be. Yeah. That.
0: Yeah. The finan the family dynamic doesn't stop because you're caught up right. with the busyness of what you're doing. This yeah. still is going.
1: You know, the hardest thing for me is to turn my mind off of the pressures that are out there. Oh yeah. That's the hardest thing for me. Yeah. I can be sitting talking to my wife, and have no idea what she's saying. Yeah. Over and over and over again and and again, don't be too quick, Lisa, to expect me to be perfect right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> be patient with me while I'm... did you hear that Lisa? <laughs> <laughs> so it's It's just a matter of yeah. just a constant uh, you have to be conscientious of the fact For that you've sure. got to stay connected with deity, you yeah. have to be connected with the family and the ones that you're closest to and that you love, yeah, and then you have to compromise and sacrifice a whole bunch of other things, yeah. For right wow. now, right. I mean, that's that's the world today. Yeah, for sure. And try to find a little bit of time on on a weekend um, to do something. Yeah. Um, even if it's, even if it's digging a fence pole, right. A Fence post hole. Yeah. Or something, anything to do. Yeah. That's not related go, to this. Go, go rip out a tree stump. <laughs> so,
0: hopefully, somebody <laughs> that's wants something it you would do. <laughs> I'm gonna go rip out this tree stump. You know, I got something it, to do. And I don't, I don't
1: want to portray anything of a poor me. I, I have a choice in this, right? It's my choice to, to be here to try to serve the people of Utah. It's, it's, yeah. I choose this. Yeah. And I'm grateful for the privilege and the opportunity. But it's just a heavy, a heavy yeah, lift right for now. For sure,
0: no. And I, I don't think it comes across that way at all. You're just like, this is the, this is what I'm dealing with. Yeah. You know, if someone's listening to you right now and they're hearing your story and they're hearing what you're dealing with, with your work. And then just, you know, some of these principles you've shared, if someone right now is listening to this and they're struggling, just whether it's because of the pandemic or whether they're just struggling in life, whether they're struggling, they have no connection with a higher power, they're just having a hard time. What advice could you give that person right now who needs some hope in their life at
1: this moment? I would say, um you know, depending on the circumstances. But one thing I would say for sure is is that uh, there is so much good in the world and so much hope. And that the potential of the individual is so beyond our capacity to see and oftentimes understand. And to keep going, um, I I would say to grab hold of correct principles, understand your moral compass boundaries. Mm and practice trying to live within those because what happens is when we do the things that violate those boundaries, yeah. it demoralizes us internally. And it makes us uh, less confident, less hopeful. It it destroys the integrity of our hope. Right. And so tr- it, it, it try and try again. If we fail, it's okay. Try again. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the principles that you teach, the belief system mm-hmm. and the ability to reach inward into who you are and to tap into the, who you are. You're not broken. Yeah, You are able to become whole. Okay. If I brought religion into this and I, and I was teaching from a religious perspective, yeah, which I believe there, in my mind there's no separation. Yeah. I would point to um, the, the source of, of all hope to me is Jesus Christ. Um, and if other people don't believe in Jesus Christ, I would invite them to consider that. Uh, and if they choose not to, then to believe in a higher source yeah. and that there is a God above that loves them and that there's all the hope in the world through that belief system. Mm. Um, I, I would say to them to develop a focused mind, yeah. a focused mind on correct principles, on worthwhile purposes, and to to disengage from from, uh, counterproductive behavior and try to engage in worthwhile purposes, service to other people, education, learning, um, development of skills, um, talents that you have, and being able to influence people's lives for good just by virtue of the talents and the skills that you've been blessed with. Yeah. Um, I would say things like that. Right. Hel- very, help me with more. Is well, there- no,
0: very well said. And, and you talk about the focus thing. One of the things I, I uh, try to live by as well myself and I, I share with family and my clients is that what we focus on increases. Yes. I think that's the law of God, honestly, yeah. is that we focus, and I loved how you said that if there's something we can focus on that's good, that's that's going to propel us in the right direction, yeah. right? And so I love that you said that. If we have, if I'm focusing, on, I'm gonna I'm gonna exercise the principle of honesty today. That's that is the one I'm focusing on because I haven't been very honest lately. Yeah. And so I'm gonna just be honest today. That's well said, that's right? Good. And so what's going to happen? That principle of honesty is going to increase. Yes. It's going to magnify. I'm gonna okay. in all areas, feeling it, hearing it, saying it having other people experience it with me. And so I love that you said that focus piece because I think that that is that is it.
1: You know what's interesting, Todd, at least I've found uh, through my associations with others as well as my own personal life, mm-hmm. is when we're in this mode of hopelessness and discouragement and uh, failure feeling, the last thing we want to do is focus. Right. It's, it's so point. counter wow. to the way that we feel and we think no i need a pill or i need a and maybe we do need a, uh, some sort of medication right. but 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 beyond that in in terms of changing in, internal behavior and your character focus on correct principle like you just said being honest picture the way that you would magnify your life if you engaged in in the focus of honesty in a day
2: yeah
1: and I've heard it said that, that in all of this commotion that's going on in, in our minds and in our hearts, that a focused mind is a quiet mind. Mm. An unfocused mind yes. is a chaotic mind. Wow. And when we live a life of wow. chaos, life is hard. It's a lot harder than it needs to be. Yeah. And just by focusing, as you've said, whether it be on engagement of honesty with other people, or whether it be on learning how to play the piano or to uh, build things with our hands or uh, write something or whatever Mm -hmm. those focuses are, as long as they're worthwhile purposes, they will promote a life that expands and expands in goodness. Yeah, And that focused mind creates a quiet, reconciled mind and heart Mm -hmm. as opposed to the opposite.
0: Yeah, I love that. No, that's beautifully said. I don't know how, I couldn't say that any better you know one last thing i was thinking of when you were talking there and i was just thinking back on our relationship is that there's a principle out there it's it's it goes like this you know the greater the darkness the greater the light mm. and there was a time in my life i was experiencing a lot of darkness truly and it, and you were one that kind of and again we won't go into all the details here but you were kind of like the conduit at that moment for me, because obviously you were my friend that opened up me to this light that's available. You know, and if we get religious, right, it was it was God in my life, a higher power, the light, the spirit, the the love that I was lacking. And so I just want to thank you for being who you are because had you not lived a life of principle, I don't know if you'd be in a position to, to be in that position to help me at the time I needed it most. So
1: I want to thank you, Rich, for being that guy. Todd, you, you're overly generous and gracious. Um, I, can I ask you a question? Sure. If you picture your life, if, if you had not chosen to change, you are a very talented person you're a man filled with light and goodness. You you have a passion for 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 goodness and for the the well-being of other people. That's unusual. And I think what happened, what I've seen happen, is we have the privilege right now, of looking back with hindsight and looking yeah, over we can look back, decades, yeah, right, right. and see what happened. Yeah. The road forward is is rough, but looking back, when you grab hold of of the correct things life is beautiful, right? very meaningful, but going okay. forward, it's really hard. And I just, the question, where would you be today had you not chosen to focus and to trust in a higher source? W- where do you think your life would be? I, I'm curious, What you, do you think about oh, that? I do, and I
0: can, the, the, the quick and easy answer, I'd be dead. Okay. <laughs> well, no, I'm, no, I'm serious. And we, 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 no, I'm not kidding you, sure. I would have ended my life. 'Cause that's where I was. I was done. And so I would not be here. <clears throat> but if that if I was here and I still didn't accept that, I can tell you this, I would be miserable. I wouldn't have accomplished a third of what I've done in my life. I wouldn't have reached this many people in my life. I mean, I look back and I'd pinch myself, I'm like, are you kidding me? This is where I'm at. Yeah. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. I didn't see this. That's pretty special. And so I don't know if that answers the question exactly, but that's—I mean, honestly, I—I I really believe I wouldn't be here, and I know that sounds kind of dramatic, but that's where I was when I had that experience with you. I was
1: done. And I think the—the the value in—in in, in the privilege of this hindsight, right—is—is is if we take, you know, your listeners, um, if we—if we look at people's lives, we have to admit that—that that if each one of us. Would grab hold of the principles that we're talking about, yeah. each one of us has the opportunity to engage in such a beautiful life as you. Now we all have different talents and we right. all have different abilities yeah, everyone, we're, yeah. We're not everybody's going to have a podcast like you and, and reach so many thousands of people but 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 within their circles of influence, there is so much room and hope for greatness and and contentment yeah. and reconciled feelings. Yeah. That are that are that are so worth living for, so worth sacrificing for, and I look at your life today versus then, and how many thousands of people would not be inspired today had you not decide, decided to discipline yourself to align with correct principle. Right. I mean, it's just it's a miracle. Yeah. To me.
0: No, thank you. And I, I do feel that way. I I always think back. If I could go back to what I went through, or or say something to it like my addiction and all that adversity, I would say thank you to it, because it was the wake up call to my greatness. Yeah. And you know, and and God showed me that that I'm not that person, I'm yeah. not that guy. So, and we could we could talk for hours on this part, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but no, I thank you and uh, for sharing that. And I'm just grateful that I know you and. And I'm grateful that you would honestly take some time out of this very hectic, busy schedule of yours to share some principles and insight that has helped you in your life. And I know people hearing this, they're gonna be inspired and it's gonna help them in their life.
1: Todd, thank you for the privilege to be here. And, and I wish your listeners the very best. Let's go about doing good together, yeah. united in good principle. Yeah. And and I think that the, the the whole world will be different because of all of us. Yeah. So. so thank you for all that you do Todd and for the thank you. the great principles that you teach and the and the uh the influence of good that you bring to so many people. I count it a great privilege to be your friend. Wow. Thank you. Thank you.
0: I feel the exact same for you and I I'm going to leave it at that. There you go folks. That was uh Rich Saunders. He is a a man of principle as you can well already know if you didn't already know him and I would challenge you guys To take what he said and start applying it in your life. Make it your focus like we just talked about. And I promise you, you will feel some light and some love and the needed energy in your life again. Because it's there. It's there for the taking. We just have to make those decisions to do those things. And I I do believe God is good. And I do believe that he is waiting and willing to help anybody. And so please reach out to me if you want to get to to know rich a little bit more i typically have you give out your information on how people can get a hold of you i'm not going to do that to you because as this is going on you don't have any time for that but please reach out to me and i will i will relay it back and forth with rich and and when there's time that uh, we'll definitely get back so anyway thanks everybody for believing me and again thanks paul, paul Cardall for the music and veracity networks and and thanks for all of you guys love you so much